Welcome, 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 friends of the On The Way Home podcast. I am your host, Michael Braithwaite, and you are listening to On The Way Home, where we discuss all things housing, homelessness, health, uh, and social impact. And today's guest uh, is Tim Richter from the Canadian Alliance and Homelessness. They are our partner, along with Blue Door, in putting this together, and they do all sorts of wonderful things, uh, some of which we're going to tackle today. I'm excited for this. We're at a, a critical point, I think, in, in time, uh, in not just in Canada, but around the world when it comes to uh, the precarity of housing, the cost of housing. Um, it's at a bit of a tipping point. We need big answers. We need big solutions. We need uh, bold moves. And Tim is here today to discuss what are those bold moves that the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness has put forward to the government. It's at a great time because right now there's budget consultations happening. Uh, the government's looking at what could we do better? What are Canadians needing? Uh, and so this is something that organizations like mine, like Blue Door, when they ask us to come forward and say, what recommendations are you making? Tim and the team of, of Taylor made um, a resolution here for you to put forward, push forward, even if you're not, you know, at those tables to bring to your local uh, MPs and, and push hard because we need that momentum going forward. So without further ado, Tim, welcome to the pod. Hey, Michael. Great to be here. So, Tim, we ask the same question uh, every time we start this, mm -hmm. and you've answered it a couple of times. So I'm going to see if you, you duplicated <laughs> or if it's changed since the last time. And that yeah. is, what does home mean to you? Uh, to me, to me, home is love. Home is love and safety, and uh, a place where uh, I get to I get to sort of enjoy the the warmth and comfort of my uh, of my family, and and uh, yeah, home is love. And you know, this may may seem new, but I'm I'm actually out of the basement. <laughs> I I usually work in the basement. I I was allowed out today for just for the show. I think. Well, like you said, I guess your home is showing you some love. Uh, you've yeah. been allowed out of uh, your your uh, basement <laughs> cave last yeah. year than last time we talked to you. It's That's a whole right. new whole new Tim for a whole new purpose. And yeah. the only thing I would say about your answer is I actually have that on a T-shirt from a quote from Jesse Thistle: "Home is love." So yeah. you might be hearing from the copyright lawyers. Uh, yeah, I totally stole it. I totally stole that from Jesse, but he's, he, you know, he's right. He's right. Yeah, very, very true. And I'm sure he's not the first uh, to say that. That's awesome. Simplistic mm -hmm. and true. Um, listen, Tim, I just want people to understand who you are and get a little bit of your mm -hmm. background. Quite often, I'm sure people assume that you've been in this sector for years because you've made mm -hmm. quite an impact over the last uh, say, 15 years. It's yeah, about it is that. now. So tell us a little bit about your journey into this sector. Uh, well, I I came into work uh, to end homelessness in 2007. I left uh, the private sector to join the Calgary Homeless Foundation and and lead the development of the plan to end homelessness in Calgary, which was uh, kind of revolutionary at the time, along with some of our colleagues in Alberta, like uh, Homer Trust in Edmonton and others uh, in the Seven Cities. And um, have a look back, you know, I um, uh, in 2012, we founded the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness, recognizing that there was a real appetite around the country to do some of the work similar to what we were what we were doing in Alberta. People, you know, were faced with uh, with challenges of homelessness getting worse despite uh, the best efforts of, of communities. And um, we began to see 
some success in in Alberta, and people wanted to know what that what what that was happening, what how that happened, what what you did, and um, you know the movement and homelessness in Canada was born. And today, the Canadian Alliance is working with about eighty cities around the country in different ways, including York Region and the good folks at uh, Blue Door. Yeah, so that's that's what I mean. So so folks understand. I mean, quite often around Canada, uh, you know, we're thinking, how do we all come together? How do we have one voice? How can we, uh, you know, do some things consistently and share resources across the country? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to say that's the only thing, but CAH mm-hmm. is that voice. It does pull together. And we're going to talk about one of those pieces today. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about a couple of things they do as well. Yeah. Uh, quite often in the intro, I talk about Built for Zero communities and, and the training that you do. Can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit more about the different services that uh, CAH does? Yeah, for sure. Well, um, you know, in order, we, we feel in order to end homelessness, you have to do four or five things really well, right? The first is, you know, I think it's really important to recognize that homelessness in Canada, modern mass homelessness, like we see it today, hasn't always existed. And it was really created by federal policy starting in the 80s, but really accelerating in the 1990s. And so if you want to end homelessness in Canada, we've got to reverse the policies that created it. So that's a, a significant part of the work we do at the Alliance. But we also increasingly are working with provinces and provincial governments on helping to change those uh, local systems, uh, those provincial systems like uh, healthcare and child welfare. Child welfare is like a super highway into homelessness in a lot of a lot of the country. And we hope to be doing more work provincially over the next several years to help shift some of those things. Uh, you mentioned Built for Zero Canada, so we we uh, are able to work with communities like York Region and 40 uh, others around the country to uh, help build an operating system for ending homelessness. That, you know, we have to move federal and provincial policy, but we also have to uh, we also have to develop those local operating systems that that help build systems that are. Uh, um, designed to end homelessness and give folks at a community level a bit of a template, a roadmap for, for ending homelessness and some coaching and support to do that. Uh, we also, as uh, you mentioned, we do we have a national conference and we do a lot of that information sharing and, and training and we have a training and technical assistance program that helps equip frontline workers and organizations with the skills, uh, training and tools that they need to, to end homelessness. And increasingly, uh, we are Uh, getting more and more into the political campaigning, uh, marketing, communication, national advocacy uh, work. Um, And so we we know that we need to move public opinion in order to move the policy, in order to provide the supports to communities. And so we'll be doing more and more of that uh, over, over the coming years. And of course, tying that all together uh, and and work we want to lean into more in the, in the coming years is uh, reconciliation and, and equity and, and building help, you know, working as an ally with uh, Indigenous communities, equity-seeking communities to uh, address some of the conditions that lead to their homelessness, uh, but also helping communities build uh, equitable homeless systems uh, coming out of this. So that's what we do in a nutshell. Not a small task at all. Lots of huge things uh, happening there uh, at the Canadian Alliance. And, and to be fair, too, I mean, I think it's been great that you yourself and, and CH have established yourself as someone that the government could tap to say, mm-hmm. you know, tell us what, what you're hearing are the challenges, but also tell us what you think 
are some of the paths forward because I mean, government doesn't have all the answers um, and they look mm -hmm. to us. What are the answers that can match up well with our mandate and our, our allotted budget? And that's a lot of the work that, that you've done and your team's done. Is that mm -hmm. right? Yeah, I think so. And I think often governments don't even realize the problems. They don't see the problems like so much of what happens in homelessness is uh, invisible. Right. Or the people are made invisible and the sector is working, toiling away invisibly. You know, uh, I was thinking about this this morning as we heard about this healthcare deal with the provinces and doctors were talking about how the healthcare system is overwhelmed and understandably following the pandemic. But in the very same way, the homeless system is completely overwhelmed. You know, we hear about significant challenges for frontline workers and burnout and turnover and, you know, uh, moral injury and and many many uh, problems so you know the the sector itself is is overwhelmed and and now we're all facing this this wave of of new homelessness and i don't when i when i talk to the federal government and i say you know homelessness in canada modern mass homelessness in canada is bigger than uh any of the largest, many, if not all of the largest natural disasters in, in Canadian history in terms of the loss of housing, the number of people it impacts and the cost, you know, billions a year. And when we think about those that lose their lives to homelessness, it would actually rank with likely the top five natural or not natural disasters, top five most lethal disasters uh, in Canadian history. Wow, well, they're shocked I mean, to hear that. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it, sometimes people will say, "I understand there's an, uh, a challenge or there, there's an issue here. How big is it?" And, and when you put it into perspective, you give some perspective like that. Wow! And I, I like to think, and we often say on this show, this is why we do this podcast. Uh, partially mm -hmm. is that many people aren't aware. They're they're not educated. They're not aware. They they you know want to help. They don't know how. And, and we so we give them some paths forward by talking to some brilliant individuals mm -hmm. uh, like yourself. So, so let's, I, I want to talk, you touched on it, the landscape right now are in homelessness. And I'll tell you what I'm seeing uh, at Blue Door and across uh, northern, uh, the northern GTA where, where we operate and, and just meeting with my team of housing workers just recently. Um, they, you know, where Blue Door used to house between four or 500 people a year, our numbers have dropped below 200. Even though we've doubled down on efforts, uh, we're doing social purpose real estate, we're looking at community land trusts, we're you know, the paths forward are, are different and new, it has become increasingly, increasingly challenging to move vulnerable individuals, many of which might be receiving uh, social assistance that ranges, uh, you know, from mm -hmm. maybe $700 a month. And, and if someone uh, is receiving a disability uh, um, income, it's about $1,200 a month. Average rent, York Region, one bedroom apartments are at $2,000 a month, mm -hmm. huge huge gap. So it's really tough for them, as you said, which also leads to some of that burnout, frustration of not being able to help people what they signed up to do. And we're, we're yeah. seeing that. And we, we have these small victories. And I said to my board chair the other day, hey, we were able to buy another home through reaching home dollars, and we're going to be able to permanently have that housing for senior men. And she said, you know, Mike, that, that's, that's awesome. But that's, that's like four people. It's, it's a drop in the ocean. What are mm -hmm. the bigger things we could do? So let, let's talk about a picture. Maybe now I, mm -hmm. I see where we are now. And you, you talked about this at the beginning of the pandemic, how this may get worse. Um, mm -hmm. But compared to, say, even you know, four or five years ago, 
the housing landscape. That's how I'm seeing it. What, what are you seeing? What are your thoughts? Well, you know, when I'm, I think, you know, a lot of our, a lot of the listeners of this podcast are going to see, see it in their communities. They're going to see that, um, you know, they're seeing more people in encampments or seeing more people in distress or more people in, you know, on public transit. And it just feels like homelessness is getting worse. And, you know, in many ways it is it. And I talk to people that have been in this work for 20, 30 years, and I'm hearing like it's never been this bad but it's not only it's not just um the numbers as you described like we have a wave of new homelessness sweeping the country um you look for example at edmonton so edmonton has been a leader in this work for uh, more than a decade um they hadn't cut home homelessness in half all homelessness nearly in half over the course of that decade um and have seen that progress almost completely, if not completely erased in the last couple of years. We had the pandemic uh, projecting more people into homelessness, uh, putting intense strain on the homeless system and the people that are working in it, uh, forcing many people out of shelter systems and into uh, rough sleeping, living outside. So you see more encampments. At the same time, we have, uh, our, as our housing crisis is getting worse, and as you say, it's harder to get people out as more people are coming in. And, uh, you know, the condition of the people that are outside or that are experiencing homelessness is getting so much worse as a very lethal uh, toxic drug supply uh, continues to, to poison and kill uh, people experiencing homelessness. So we're, you know, we're kind of facing multiple uh, compounding crises at the moment. But the good news is, uh, you know, if we look south of the border in particular, uh, we see that, you know, in the United States, they're, they're not actually seeing this wave of new homelessness we are. And the Biden administration has been able to keep eviction numbers, eviction rates in the United States at pre-pandemic levels. Now, there are communities where homelessness is getting better in the United States and places where it is getting worse, but overall, they're not seeing the same same wave that we are, which tells you there's there's a solution there. There's a way to stop this wave, and, and that's where our idea of the homelessness prevention and, and housing benefit came from. And let's let's dig into that a little more. Um, you know, we're, we were focused, we're solution focused on this podcast too. And you're right. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, this is not something that we throw our hands up and say, uh, you know, it is what it is. Uh, there's nothing we could do. There is something we could do. And, and, and so let's talk about this benefit. Uh, what is it? So basically it's, uh, one of, when we looked at what was going on in the United States and looked at different options to slow or stop this new wave of homelessness, one of the things we, it became apparent to us quickly is that time is not our friend. So we have to move quickly. We also know that, that a housing solution, like we need to keep building affordable housing and, and really, uh, deeply affordable housing and supportive housing and other measures, uh, urgently, but that takes time. And it would be very difficult to build enough in enough time targeted well enough to slow the flow of, of uh, people into homelessness. We also realize that three quarters of people in core housing need uh, are only in core housing need because they can't afford their housing. Their housing is adequate. They're in housing. Uh, we know that those in deepest core housing need about 385,000 households to spend more than 50% of their income on rent and live in poverty are, um, you know, uh, could be could keep their housing 
if they were provided with financial support. And we saw evidence of that in CERB that during the CERB, those working um, and in core housing need uh, were provided support and 200,000 Canadian households were taken out of core housing need um, during the pandemic by the, by the CERB. So that is good news. Unfortunately, people who weren't working didn't get any additional benefit. And so uh, it's really the cost of living pressures now that are driving people into into homelessness as the as the cost of living impacts lowest income households the most who you know for you and i you know michael you know our our inflation rates about six percent because the um the inflation rate is measured on a middle class basket of goods right uh, but for low-income households um, they spend 90 percent of their budget on on housing and food and some of the rest on fuel and those are the things that have gone up the most and they simply have no way of absorbing that kind of a increase. So their real inflation rate is closer to 20 or 30%. And on a fixed income, that's impossible to, to fix. So we know it's the income side of the equation that's driving people into, uh, into homelessness today. So uh, we came up with the idea of a, a homelessness prevention and housing benefit. There's two parts to it. The first part uh, there's two options the government could take. One is the more ambitious option, and I, my preferred option is that a uh, rent subsidy tied to your income and the actual rent you pay would be uh, given to 385,000 households across Canada who are leaving, living in deepest core housing need. And the second part of that would be, the second part of the benefit would be 50,000 housing benefits allocated uh, or delivered through the homeless system that would help slow the flow into chronic homelessness, like use it for diversion, uh, diverting people out of the homeless system or accelerating movement of people out of homelessness and into housing. And uh, we think those two measures would not only slow the flow into homelessness, but allow us to relieve some of the pressure on, on homeless systems and, and on the staff uh, in the system uh, and most likely reduce, uh, reduce chronic homelessness over time. Yeah, you, you kind of touched on it. And I'll say I'll say this too, in talking with uh, Neil Hetherington, who runs um, Daily Bread Food Bank here in the GTA, um, mm -hmm. and, and their, who's Hungry Report, we've had him on here a few times, it's uh, to your numbers. People who are using food banks um, have $8 left over after paying for mm -hmm. housing a month, um, Black and Indigenous communities, $6, right? So you're right. Absolutely, they can't mm -hmm. absorb. There, there's that. There's no cushion there. They can't absorb this. They're hurting the most. Uh, this yep. is. Uh, I, I love this benefit where it's going. You touch on it a little bit, but but why do you think it will work? Is is it proven somewhere else, or is this? Yeah. You know, what, what's the data behind it? Well, I think it's. Uh, I think we touched on it a little bit. We know it's going to work because it's worked in other places and it's worked in Canada. Like I said earlier, the Biden administration, in the United States, put in place uh, emergency rental supports um, through the pandemic, and that's kept eviction rates in the U.S. at pre-pandemic levels and income, or as as they say in the housing policy world, a demand side response. Uh, we also know in here in Canada that it has been uh, the CERB has been effective in cutting core housing need or was effective in cutting core housing need about 200,000 households. And we know from experience in housing first and other work in the homeless system that, um, you know, income supports can dramatically reduce uh, the incidence of homelessness and help people leave uh, more quickly. So there's evidence from all over the world. And if you look at 
jurisdictions like the UK or Europe, where they have more generous housing benefits, they have much, much lower incidence of uh, homelessness than, than we do in North America. Construct, a social enterprise by Blue Door, provides high-quality residential and commercial construction and property services in the greater Toronto area. More than a business with a heart, Construct is a real solution to preventing and ending homelessness. Through its eight-week paid skills trades training program, complete with wraparound supports and on-the-job work experience, Construct lifts people out of poverty and into opportunity. To hire Construct for your next project or learn more about Construct's employment program, visit constructgta.ca. Wow. And what is what is the response? So you put this out in January. What has the response been so far? What have you heard? Have, have you heard positive yeah. talk from government or is it falling yeah. on deaf ears or... Well, you know, we we've uh, you know we we've had extensive conversations with you know uh, folks at the officials level, you know, that work through some of the technical details of policy, and we, you know, I think there's some interest and support there, but really the the ball is in the court of our political level of government and the decision makers who have to allocate uh, funding uh, to different measures. Uh, I've had uh, some, you know, some positive response from uh, uh, from the government and from opposition parties saying this is a this is an interesting interesting idea, but now uh, I think comes the hard part uh, of of convincing them because there, you know, you can imagine leading up to a federal budget, there are a million people just like us going to the feds to say you really need to spend money on X or Y or Z. You know, this is a, an urgent priority. Uh, so the work now is really uh, making sure that this is top of mind uh, at a policymaking level, at a political decision-making level. Uh, and that's where we're hoping uh, to mobilize the, the movement and homelessness and the people who care about them. And I, I think the people that care, I think that has grown over now, partially because housing has hit the middle class, or like it, it used yeah. to be just... But, but it's affect more and more. I mean, you can't daily, you're reading about homelessness, you're reading about housing. Yeah. Quite often, unfortunately, the only talk, uh, especially in Ontario, is around supply, uh, not affordable mm -hmm. supply. Or, or, But yeah, it, it's. I think you know there is some groundswell around this. People are feeling that pinch. I mean, I think one of the things that when you mentioned uh, uh, contributing or putting the pressure on housing homeless right now too is it's wonderful that we're we're uh, have a great newcomer strategy and we're bringing in people, mm -hmm. around, you know, support the labor force. But, you know, the big question is where, where are all these individuals going to live and, and the strain mm -hmm. that it then puts on the housing system that's new too, as well. Um, you know, so, so when you're, you talk, I mean, one of the questions I'm sure you get from government as soon as you put something like this forward is how much is this thing going to cost? <laughs> well, that's part of the the analysis we did in the in the benefit and and partly why we gave options. But uh, we think the the cost of this would be about a billion and a half to three billion dollars a year, depending on uh, the design. But you know, we also know, and I think you guys you'll know this too from your experience that it, it'll be far more expensive to try and fix this problem after it's happened, then try to stop the problem from happening in the first place. By the time people land on in the shelters, they come to Blue Door, you know, they're they're starting to use the healthcare system a lot more. They interact much more with uh, social services and 
systems like police uh, courts, um, you know, and they, they folks begin, you know, homelessness today before this wave of new homelessness, like in 2016 was costing seven and a half billion dollars a year, just as it got worse. And you, you can guarantee as the numbers increase, as the numbers increase, the cost increase. Uh, and, you know, we hear of, uh, you know, this healthcare deal with the provinces and how important it is. Um, and it, it absolutely is. But one of the drivers of healthcare costs is, you know, housing precarity, homelessness, and poverty, driving people into the system and coming back and back because they'll never get better uh, living living outside. You know, I saw, um, you know, the Toronto Medical Officer of Health yesterday was saying, uh, you know, homelessness erases 30 years from a person's life expectancy. And we see, you know, uh, Unity Health in Toronto was just saying, you know, we're starting to see uh, the impact of 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 the uh, cost of living crisis and lack of other supports in the healthcare system as people are coming in injured and sick and even coming into the healthcare system just to stay warm, you know. So um, it is going to be far more expensive in in monetary terms, but then you just think about the potential loss of life and injury, um, and I don't think, you know. And there's there's any amount of money that would be too much if we can prevent this catastrophic loss of life and injury. Yeah, agreed. And it's I've been reading, but I think it's uh, St. Mike's in Toronto. They've now got a team of people because their mm -hmm. ERs are filling up with people experiencing homeless, unhoused people that are calling around three one one, trying to get answers, you know, and, and patching it up. And I think part of the problem, Tim, is we spent all this money, all these years on just this patchwork of crap, mm -hmm. like stuff that that ba basically gets us to good enough or, or scrape it mm -hmm. by so people don't die and we can stop focusing on the good enough and let's make sure you know one of the challenges mm -hmm. we're going to talk we're going to have uh, Lalani uh and diana uh chan mcnally uh on to talk about mm -hmm. this well there, there's you know the landmark case on ontario superior court around encampments right. uh and why everyone's like amazing we can't shut this encampment down part of the fear of that too is does that start to become a good enough solution where people right. accept that encampment like oh okay you know we're good with this we'll just get a better tent a better sleeping bag right. we'll start putting up makeshift stuff in a field and think that yeah. that's part of the solution even i think you mentioned you know the just recently the government did this 500 top up or benefit yeah. that when you break it down monthly it's about 43 bucks or, or something that uh, what, what I'm trying to say in a long-winded way is we got to stop with this patchwork quilt mm -hmm. work that's not making impact and, and mm -hmm. do something bold like CEH yeah. is is suggesting. And, and would yeah. you agree? Oh, yeah. Well, and, and you know, I think there's, a, you know, we're, we're also running into dangerous territories here. You know, I, I'm looking forward to listening to Diana and Lailani on this because they're, they're exactly right. Not only uh, did it take a court decision to say that people experiencing homelessness deserve the very basic human right of, of you know, uh, right to life and liberty and security of the person, right? Like, we had to go to court to guarantee, to, to get a judgment to say that they deserve that. But now, 
like you say, is that going to be good enough? And on, on top of it, one of the things we see across the country and we start to see in the discourse on homelessness is, geez, you know, there's a lot of people out here that are struggling with addiction and mental illness. You know, let's just let's just bolt together in, in a treatment program. Let's, you know, we don't want to do harm reduction, but we're going to, you know, push treatment program, create more mental illness, you know, and, and that to me is, a you know, has been proven an ineffective response to this uh, time and time again proven here in Canada, yes, we need more addiction treatment. Yes, we need more mental health support. But if a person's not in housing, how do they recover from addiction? How do they recover from the trauma of, of the life that led to addiction? How do they, you know, improve their mental health when they're living under a bridge? You know, it's, it's really challenging to do. And, the, you know, ultimately, if you want to secure, you, if you want to help address mental illness and addiction, uh, for the for people experiencing homelessness, we not need to be looking at housing first and providing providing that support. Homelessness is not caused by mental illness. Homelessness is not caused by addiction. Homelessness is caused by uh, a lack of affordable housing and poverty and policy that created that systemic breakdown. Yes, you're right. It, it you know we said time and time again on this podcast, it, it started with policy. It's got to end with better policy. That's the work that you and your team and many, many others across mm -hmm. the country are, are pushing hard because if that doesn't change, we'll just keep slapping band-aids on, uh, mm -hmm. on a, a huge problem and th they will not hold, right? right. Um, so let's get back to the benefit. How can people support this? What can they do? What can we do as a sector? What can listeners do if they want to support, if they want to find out more information, first of all, but also if they want to mm -hmm. uh, help push this forward because we need the groundswell. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, ultimately what's going to decide this is uh, people calling their members of parliament, calling the government to say, you know, this, we really need to put this benefit in place. We really need to spend the money as Canadians to help our, help our, our neighbors weather this, um, weather the storm of, uh, of uh, inflation and sure the the recession that'll surely follow so this is a problem that'll be with us for some time so uh there's a number of things uh people can do one one is go to our website caeh.ca uh you can find the information on the benefit there sign up to our mailing list our, our newsletter and you'll be connected to opportunities to write your members of parliament uh post on it send op-eds things like that to help us uh get cards and letters out to all of the decision makers that make sense that uh, that will support this or need to support this. I think we need to also be talking to our colleagues and neighbors about it. So, you know, reach out to your friends, uh, reach out to folks on Facebook, on Twitter, uh, get them, ask them for their support, um, you know, to do this. If you are working in the homeless system, Let's see if you can get your your agency like Blue Door to endorse it or to write a letter to your mayor, your premier, um, and the, and the government of Canada. And um, you know, I think people will sit back and think, well, you know, what can I really do? How can you know? Do I have? I can't. You know, I'm just one person. How am I going to influence politics? And you know, I don't really like politics. I don't want to talk to my MP. You know, I don't feel you know good about it. But I think it's really important to understand that as a movement and as a sector and as people who care about their neighbors and people who care about others experiencing homelessness, we have real 
political power. We can have real political power. We did a poll during the pandemic and um, a national poll, and we realized that over 36% of Canadians knew somebody who had experienced homelessness or had experienced it themselves. Well, over 1.6 million people, according to this poll, will have experienced homelessness in, a, in, in their lifetime. 5% of people, that's 5% of people who responded to the poll. You know, uh, another, uh, another 11% uh, had a family member who uh, experienced homelessness uh, and another, you know, 20% um, knew somebody who'd experienced homelessness. Now imagine if 36% of Canadians said to all lined up and said to the government, even a portion of them all wrote a letter to the prime minister, the minister of finance and said, you know, we need uh, a, a homelessness prevention and housing benefit. You know, if that many people, even a significant percentage of them all wrote to their MPs, all phone their MPs, uh, policy would change. Guarantee it, because it even smaller groups of people able to move big things in public policy, and our we've got a couple of really successful examples. So, yeah, yeah, and you guys have done it before. When I, I read the vote for housing mm -hmm. campaign, housing did mm -hmm. not start off as one of the, you know, one of the main mm -hmm. pieces to the, the federal election, but but it became one. I think it was in the yeah. top three, if I'm not yeah. incorrect, and that's the ground soul. Mm -hmm. That's the power of exactly what you're you're talking mm -hmm. about. And I mean, when I think when you say 36%, I'm thinking, of, what was the actual turnout for, for the federal election? About, last about night? 39. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's probably, well, no, it's yeah. about 50%, 60%. Yeah. But still, yeah. still, when you think yeah. of 36%, yeah, that, that has some power people. So let's, wow. let's get to it. Let's do this. Let's take the minute it takes. I know I've done that. Uh, Blue Door mm -hmm. will do that. And I think the, the politicians around in York region, we have nine mayors who are saying, yeah, tell me, Tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. how, how can I? What can I do? What can I push forward uh, in your budget submissions? I know we, we've been called up to ask about, you know, hey, what, you know, what are your ideas? We're, we're just pulling this right from, and it's a brilliant report, listeners. If you go to the website, you'll see this is not uh, a day or two a thought of uh, Tim Richter's mind mm -hmm. that um, this is <laughs> this is well researched yeah. and put mm -hmm. together. Um, it's a great report. Share it widely, and and so you can send that out. Uh, and this is a very tangible way to be part of the solution. We need big, bold ideas. This is one mm -hmm. of them. Uh, and I, I don't often do this on this pod, but push this forward. You know, I, we're, mm -hmm. we're seeing it on the front lines day in, day out. Uh, we need some real measures that are going to make a difference. Income matters drastically. Affordable mm -hmm. housing matters drastically. You heard it from Neil Hetherington, who's been on here. We don't need more food banks. We right. need, we, there'd be no need for that if... Mm -hmm. We had income uh, yeah. supports and we had uh, afford truly deeply affordable supportive yeah. housing of many different kinds. Okay. Well, and I think it's important to realize that we've done this, you know, as a sector, uh, we've done this before. And this was even long before the Canadian Alliance was around. But, you know, the national housing strategy that we have today for, you know, there's for its strengths and its weaknesses was really the product of advocacy that began in Toronto with the Toronto Disaster Relief Committee 30 years ago. Right, that created National Housing Day, which demanded from then a national housing strategy, and that that was put into this current government's campaign platform in 2015. Since then, you know, as a sector, we've been successful in securing a legislated right to housing, which would be unheard of 
uh, 10 years ago, even five years ago, um, you know, in 2019, you know, uh, as a, as a sector, we've moved billions of dollars in federal investment toward housing and, you know, 500 million just during the pandemic to support frontline organizations. So it is possible for us to move policy in a way that could achieve this kind of, uh, this kind of benefit. Cause you know, we've, we've done it before. What do you say to the naysayers, Tim, who say, Hey, you're right. You have moved billions into this. You have done this. We've seen this. We've got this right to, and the needle hasn't moved. In fact, it slipped backwards a little bit where we're seeing a greater mm -hmm. need. So maybe this isn't the approach. And that's a bit of the fear. I think you and I have talked about sure. before. People say, eh, not working. Let's go back to bootstrapping mm -hmm. it. You have thoughts around mm -hmm. that? Well, we know we know the things that work because we've, we've got them working, right? Yes, I, I can totally appreciate that people are looking around on the, on the transit system or in their neighborhoods and seeing more people experiencing homelessness. So they're thinking, oh, God, maybe this, the current approach, uh, current approach isn't working. Uh, we're working with 10 cities around the country that have all achieved measurable reductions in, in homelessness. We have uh, two that have ended homelessness, uh, one that ended veteran and one that ended uh, chronic homelessness. And we've got many others that are kind of in, on, in the in on the bubble to to achieve, especially on on homelessness for veterans. Um, the challenge we have in in some ways is the you know the national housing strategy is a great idea, um, but you know it takes it it takes some learning and adaptation to make it work, uh, to make it uh, effective for the purpose of of reducing uh, reducing homelessness, uh, and. I think we have to remember that we're trying to fix a crisis that is 40 years in the making. So solutions aren't gonna happen overnight. Uh, so part of this is, uh, is patience and part of it is focus. And another part of this is continuous improvement. Uh, we know what works based on international evidence and success we've had in Canada. Uh, we need to keep moving there. Um, but we also need our supporters and our allies and the people that care to keep the pressure on, you know, and and keep hope in in a solution. You know, we right now we're in a situation that looks really bleak. And my uh, Frozen, my friend uh, Roseanne Haggerty uh, sent out a note to the communities folks, uh, the hundred U.S. cities that are involved in community solutions built for zero in the states. Um, and she said, now is the time we fight despair with action. And one way we can take action is to, uh, is to reach out to our members of parliament, push uh, a housing benefit, a solution that we know works and has been effective in, in stopping the growth of homelessness in the United States and effective in reducing homelessness here in Canada and in other places, um, you know, and, and continue to just, you know, keep, Keep pushing, you know, fight despair with action, and keep keep the hope in that solution alive. Keep the embers of that that hope alive. Well, listen, we've seen bold action in the last year, both in childcare striking yeah. um, agreements. We've seen that where they said, "Hey, we need big change across the country. Childcare is essential to uh, mm -hmm. Canadians." Then we've seen it just recently with uh, healthcare, which is again yes. amazing, great. We need that same kind of care where we're striking big agreements on yes. uh, this housing benefit with, with all the provinces. So it, it can be done on, yes. on a large scale. And I think that's what we're looking for here. 
Yeah, absolutely. It can be done. And, and the consequence of not doing it is far greater than, um, you know, the consequence of doing it. I mean, at the cost for sure. Like it's just, uh, we are capable of big things. Uh, we are capable of solving this problem, as you say, uh, but we need we need the support from from voters and Blue Door listeners uh, or, or one the on the way home listeners to do it. Awesome. Well, listen, Tim, a, a huge uh, boat of gratitude to you and the team at CAH for all you do, but for putting this together. Hey, you're showing us the way forward. It's up to us now to pick up that mantle, push it forward mm -hmm. with MPs uh, and make this a reality. So thank you for that. Thank you for all thank you, you do and for your time today coming on the podcast. Thanks, Mike. Thank you, everyone. And I I, uh, I tell you, folks, that um, on this podcast, we talk about education. We talk about awareness. Today, uh, we've been educated on something that has been proven to work uh, that is not just another Band-Aid. This is a big-time solution. We can make this work, but only if we create that groundswell, and we need to do that. So please go to the CAEH.ca website, check out this report, share it widely. Uh, become If you actually sign up for the newsletter, you'll get these uh, different emails on how to do that. They make it so easy, where it's a click on the button, and it sends it right to your MPs. Uh, in your local area when you put in your postal code to say you support this. I mean, it couldn't be easier to be part of the solution, but it's up to you to take the two minutes to do that. Um, you know, this is the kind of movement we need to make real change happen. Uh, one of my favorite episodes so far of On the Way Home. Um, love it. We love the solutions and the challenges that come forward on this podcast each time. We're going to continue to bring them forward to you. So we'll see you next time on the way home. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.